Welcome to Fueling the Revenue Engine. My name is Ross Greenfield, co-founder and chief enablement officer at Level 213. This podcast was created as a response to requests that we've gotten from the enablement community looking for resources to support them as they navigate this evolving landscape of enablement. As we look to the future of our profession, we believe that this is a great time to connect with other enablement leaders for discussions that take a closer look at relevant enablement topics. It's our hope that this podcast provides insight, guidance, and support to the go-to-market enablement and sales leadership community during both prosperous and challenging times alike. We're coming to you from San Francisco, California, where we are in the middle of figuring out what the impact of the coronavirus will be now and in the long term. For the immediate future, we are still under a shelter in place order here, which means that we're using conferencing technology instead of studio sessions to put this podcast together. As such, please excuse any fluctuations in our audio. Today, we welcome our guest, Joel Fuso, Director of People Enablement at Staffbase. I had the pleasure of working with Joel for almost three years at Optimizely. And for me, one of the highlights of our time together were the intellectual learning and development and enablement conversations that we would have. They would be uh, first thing in my day, last thing in Joel's day. Joel's based out of Amsterdam and EMEA. And so I would start my day, I think it was Tuesday mornings, if I remember correctly, we would we would get together and, and it would be our regular touch base, but it turned always into these very intellectual conversations. And these conversations really always stretch my thinking and my approach to enablement. And I'm really hoping that our conversation today does the same. So I'm really looking forward to just having a conversation about enablement, the state of enablement, the evolution of enablement, and how Joel looks at it. And I think we can all really benefit from that conversation. So to kind of give it a topic, what we're going to be talking is about how enablement can really shine in a complex sales environment. And I think that's something that we all are thinking about and our environments have become even more complex over the last few months. And Joel will share how he approaches working with the go-to-market organization to really help move performance and culture forward. And that's something I'm really interested to. I think, I don't think uh, a lot of sales enablement people recognize the impact that we have on culture. And I think that's a very important thing for us to be thinking about. So welcome, Joel. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you and how are things in Amsterdam these days? Hey, thanks, Roz, um, and thanks for having me on the podcast. It's my uh, it's my maiden podcast, maiden so podcast. Uh, hoping that we can have a fun conversation today, something for people to to take something out of. Uh, Amsterdam is doing all right. We're a little little high on the case cases mm-hmm. for COVID at the moment, but uh, apart from that, uh, myself and the family are well here in Amsterdam. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate that that you're here with us, and that things are at least uh, on the on the downswing, um, at least from a hospitalization standpoint. I think uh, in the United States and, and Europe, we're kind of ping-ponging back and forth. You go up, we go down, we, we go up, you go down. So uh, hopefully it starts to flatten out a little bit, but I'm ready to yeah. geek about all things enablement. So I hope you are too, because I, I know that- Oh, sure. Yeah, and, let's uh, do it. All right. So I'm going to start just kind of with one of the biggest challenges that, that I think enablement professionals face, and I think will um, set the foundation for our entire conversation. So our space is rapidly evolving and it's very, very, it's a very, very, very dynamic change. And it's been reshaped over time. I think even from, I'm, I'm very old and I've been doing enablement for a very long time. And when I think about where I started enablement and where it is today, it's a, it's just a completely different job, a completely different discipline, a completely different space. And I think it's just going to continue to be reshaped and, and to be connect, uh, dynamically changing. So I'm really curious to hear how has this shaped how you think about enablement and some of the things that you've seen evolve over your time in the space? 
Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think it's it's changing for the better, right? And and I think uh, about um, my entry into enablement some uh, some nine years ago. Um, you know, my in my naivety, where I uh, I remember having my first group of learners in the room, and uh, and you know, I'd just come out of sales myself, and I thought, hey, like I've just thought of all these great ideas and things that I do. And if I just kind of like put it forward to the people, uh, they're going to take it on board and, you know, exactly. just become better. And, and of course, to my uh, shock, uh, you know, that's not how it kind of, kind yeah. of played out. But, um, you know, I, I think the, uh, the intent is the same today. Yeah. And, and then that is, um, you know, still the question I ask myself every day. I think it's what, uh, you know, keeps us excited and, and engaged in enablement is, you know, um, how do we um, take advantage of the change um, to, you know, continue to, to think about how we improve performance and, and help people um, to build the belief, right, that they can take it to the next level. So, um, you know, how, how the space has evolved is, you know, I mean, th the most obvious thing for me is that people take enablement a lot more seriously, both the learners and, and equally the stakeholders. So um, there's a lot more engagement and a lot more buy-in, uh, which, you know, increases the visibility of what we do um, and, and I think increases uh, the ability also, um, you know, to, to make positive change. Yeah, I think I, I very much agree with you. I think people, especially during over the past year, I think with COVID hitting, people realize the importance of enablement. And, and I, I see companies um, investing more in enablement, make, ha having larger teams, maybe implementing things sooner. It, it's a very, very different world when, when you have every single person sitting in their own house. And technically, you have X number of hubs based on the amount of people you have, and you don't have the same connection. And at the same time, I think even prior to all that, people were realizing the impact that Enable makes, which I think gives us uh, a larger voice, but also a larger responsibility. So, and it's, it's, I'm gonna be really interested to see how it continues to play out over, as, as our world continues to evolve and respond to the new world that we're living in. Many companies may stay virtual forever, right? Or, or have a hybrid. And how do we think about that from an enablement perspective? You yeah. said something really interesting that I just kind of want to dig into a little bit. You said provide enablement that will improve performance, right? Which I think we understand. That's why we exist. But also yeah. give it to them in a way that they will take it and do something with it. There's a big leap or a big jump between tell them what to do to, to improve performance to they, they, that they have to own it and do it. And when I think about enablement, I think about there's really, you know, three blocks there's or, or three legged stool there. There's Austin enablement, there's the leadership, but then there's the person being enabled. So I'm really curious to, to hear your perspective and your point of view on if we give them what we think is right and, and all the things, how do you then bridge that gap, if you will, of them embracing it and actually implementing and applying it? Does my question make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. And and, and I think to your point, it, it really is a, a team effort. And, and uh, in, in some ways, um, you do kind of require that, um, organizational alignment so uh, this is you know and this this piece is is not something that's necessarily within your control so you know if you're uh, i suppose what's my advice to 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 someone who's young and wants to enter into enablement is to think really carefully about the type of organization that you join because um you know if they don't share that vision um or, or you know when we're talking about these sort of evolved importance of enablement um it can be very difficult to create uh, programs that you know gain traction that have buy-in uh, without those pieces working together so um 
I think uh, you know we you know we previously worked together. I, th- I think we had that buy-in, and and right now where I work with, uh, we were talking off air before we started this, and and I mentioned to you that I uh, report into our, our co-founder CEO actually, and he cares deeply about enablement, and um, I mean that is really the foundation of of where it where it begins. Uh, that you do need that that top down, uh, and then from there, um, as the enablement professional, I think it's you know, um, on us to um, design experiences that people care about, right? So um, getting into their world, thinking about how people learn today. I mean, a lot of people, including myself, uh, you know, I think my shortest form of learning is Googling, right? Let's mm-hmm. type it in and figure out what's kind of going on. If I got to do some, you know, work on the, on the uh, apartment on the weekend, or if someone says a really intelligent word in a meeting that I don't know the meaning to, you know, uh, I kind of Google it. So, you know, this whole idea of, of resources and then kind of like um, balancing that with the whole courses side of things. Uh, and again, the example I'd use was our lead, uh, you know, uh, our lead investor came in and did an audit um, and they were particularly interested in the whole, um, you know, measuring and analytics and data side of who'd been through what course, um, you know, how they could kind of, um, you know, look across the sales organization and understand, you know, where the gaps are. So I think it's kind of striking that right balance where um, you can understand and measure the, the growing performance of people through coursework and through an LMS or a learning management system. Um but you don't want to kill them with those things at the same time, right? So wherever possible, um, you could try and create an easy pull-on-demand resource system. Um, and if you can get the right balance, then I think you can engage the learner um, and also, you know, show them a, a path to, to change. And, and I think, to, you know, part of your question was, um, you know, how, can the, how does the learner buy in? And I think... Um, the way that I'm trying to design learning right now is to make it see to make it seem like a journey and not separate things because a separate course or a separate resource or just you know disparate pieces of enablement can seem you know a little bit wearisome or like oh my goodness I uh, I've got I've got 16 courses to do and 15 pieces of resource and then I've got my targets and everything like how am I going to fit this all in versus hey we care about your development, you know, uh, here at, at, you know, XYZ company, um, you know, this is what's ahead of you. And there is a structure, there is a journey, there is a progression where you see yourself being invested in and, you know, becoming a better salesperson. So I think being able to show them uh, a clearly defined path mm. when you create the resources and the courses uh, is super important for adoption and buy-in. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I want to hit on two points. First of all, you mentioned that, you know, reporting into the founder and CEO. And and I just want to acknowledge that that kind of ties back into the evolution that Enablement made. 10, 15 years ago, that would have never happened. And so I think that's that's a testament to our evolution and the fact that that the the CEO feels that this is important enough. And I think I'd like to see it continue to happen that way. But I'd love to hear a little bit more. I think you're you're onto something really strong here about um, 
creating a journey of enablement and not just a, 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 a training, if you will, right? And as you were saying it, I was, I was thinking of, yeah, we can piecemeal trainings and support, or we can create a full-on journey that will get the person from A to B and create that story and that visualization and that they ultimately realize it's about getting them to be more successful and to be more productive. And I think that that kind of brings a full circle of the get them to be productive, but get them, but, but make an impact and have them uh, have buy-in. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you structure that or what does that look like for you in your world? And, and, and maybe some examples and experiences of how you've implemented that and, and the pros and cons and wins and, and, and you know, and, and, and challenges and, and maybe like where you are. And I'm sure it's evolving, but, but I think that if, if people in general can think about enablement from a more holistic journey approach, I think we'd all be a lot more successful. So I'd love to hear, pick your brain a little bit more on that. Yeah. Um, so um, how do I, how do I, how do I think about this? Well, I, I think, you know, you have, um, you know, quite clearly sort of the, the, the product side and the product messaging side, and then you almost have the sort of sales skills, sales development, sales acumen side. Um, and then I think about the actual role, right? So the AE, what do you do in a day-to-day basis? Um, and then in, in order to create a journey, um, the, the best way that um, currently I'm trying to build the resources for our staff base is to map it to the day-to-day of the AE because that is the journey that they, both they and the customer are on. So, you know, during different parts of that journey, I mean, let's take, uh, let's take an initial conversation, right? Uh, it's the, you know, the SDRs kind of qualified the lead or pre-qualified the lead and, uh, you know, the AE spends an hour to kind of do some discovery and, and maybe a high-level walkthrough of the platform. Um, well, during that time, um, a whole ton of these skills are, you know, brought into play, right? There's, uh, you know, as I said, the, the sales skills side of things, there's the, you know, building relationship, establishing credibility, there's um, the discovery part of things, there's the educate piece where you push into the pain or dangle the carrot or the opportunity that's available. Um, and then there's a lot on the um, the product and the product messaging side of things, right? It's, you know, how you navigate your way through the, the solution to their identified problem, how you position yourselves or ourselves against maybe known competitors. Um, there's a ton, there's a ton in there, right? Um, so rather than um, necessarily like pull all these bits apart, which is something that I've done in the past, right? Like, you know, guilty, like here's a, here's a module on uh, active listening, you know, yep. uh, here's a module on, um, you know, uh, platform 101 or whatever yep. it might be. Um, how do you combine this uh, at, a, at a high level into a, a learning path that gets them to think about um, these skills in the way or in the setting uh, that they would deliver it? Mm. Uh, and, and that's kind of one of my, my key mantras. And I think that that's always um, come across very nicely to the learner when I explained to them, look, I want to design learning experiences that match as close as I can to your day-to-day. Mm. Um, so it's not theoretical. It's very much practical. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to assess all the elements together, right? Because that's ridiculous, right? Um, but it's more of a, an attempt, you know, to get closer to their world um, and then you can pull out segments and say, hey, you know, we've bundled this together. We know there's a lot going on in these initial conversations. So for this quarter, we'll just pick out a couple of sales skills or maybe a, a piece of the product and we'll kind of 
work on that in isolation and we'll build the parts of the puzzle together. Um, but knowing that um, it's based on a real customer interaction. And that brings me to the assessment piece of that, which is you you do your assessment in real time, right? So you use maybe if you've, if you've got your AI technology like your chorus or your gong or something like that, um, or if you just got your sales manager, you know, in the call with them or whatever it might be, you decide on um, the competency based on customer conversations, not based on a multiple choice test within yeah. a learning management system. Yeah, that's a game changer, right? Having real, true conversations and being able to, it's no longer what I wanted it to be or what I thought it was in my own head. It is the reality of what it is. So I, I really love your approach of kind of looking holistically at the customer journey and tying that customer journey to the sales journey of the sales process journey and enabling the, the learner that way. And, you know, you, you talked about it in the past and we've all done it. It's kind of how we came up. You know, we, we piecemeal, like here's an active listening course and here's an account planning course course. And now you're kind of looking at it more holistically. Do you see a change in how the either, oh, I'll ask you about both the sales leadership or the frontline leadership and the sales people are responding and maybe even the impact to productivity? So, so I think, yes. Uh, I mean, some feedback that I got when I, um, you know, again, sort of tried to piece these parts together from a particular sales manager in the US, um, one of the first things that they said to me was, I don't know what you did, but um, mm. these two people ramped like five times faster than the people previous to you. And, you know, and I sort of walked him through the methodology, you know, you know, sales managers, I was like, you do know what I did. Cause I did, I did tell you what I was doing a long time yeah. ago, but you probably forgot. But I right? expected the same result as everybody else. So I wasn't really paying attention. Yeah. Probably wasn't listening to you at all. Joel, yeah. but that's, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, the most important thing is that they see the result. Right. Um, but again, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's the way I do it. I'm like, okay, I know what you're going to do. I know what you're going to show you know, to this customer. So what are the right discovery questions? You know, what are the right parts, you know, like customer stories or whatever it might be? Um, how do you chunk this learning together so that when you do show this part of the, the platform, it's not a feature benefit dump, it's an engaging conversation, you know, based on, you know, information that we know that similar customers or personas care about. So, you know, it, it's, it's directed in the right manner. Um, and that produces, you know, a more engaging and real, you know, conversation, um, breaking up things like, you know, the demo or the, the platform walkthrough. So um, I, I think we did see some immediate um, wins in terms of using this. And really my challenge now is how do I extend that across the entire life cycle of, you know, the, your, your sales journey, um, all the way to, you know, negotiation, procurement, you know, uh, final IT sign off, et cetera. And that is the piece that I haven't, um, that I'm developing now. So I don't have any real data to sort of feedback to you, but I'm trying to take that, um, sort of, yeah, that system and apply it across the entire life cycle of the, the sale now. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because I think what it's doing is it's allowing the learner to see the, the full 
we're salespeople are, I'm thinking out loud here, so I may be rambling a little bit, but salespeople are goal-oriented people. They're trying to get to an end. And if they, un, and, and maybe what we were doing previously by giving them piecemeal is they, it was so choppy, there was no end or they couldn't see the end. And what I think might've happened with your onboarding example is they can see the full picture and they can understand how the different puzzle pieces fit into the picture and they know where they're actually going to. And now I think the challenge becomes, you know, it's, 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 perhaps easier when, when someone's new and they have, and you're, they have a clean slate into the organization and you can kind of give them the puzzle pieces and the vision that they need to see in, in a, in a, in a specific topic or specific area. But then when you, when you elongate that to everything that they're doing in their, in their daily function and, you know, each deal is in a little bit of a different cycle and then there's soft skills and, 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 and hard skills. How do we keep that vision? But I think, I think if we could, and t- tell me if I'm understanding this correctly, if we can keep in mind the the journey and the full picture that they're, and, and make sure that they're able to see the full picture, then everything kind of falls into place more clearly. Yeah. And maybe for the sales manager as well. It was interesting how he said, or I think, um, I'm assuming it was a he, I don't know why I'm doing that, but I am. Um, it was, yeah. It was a he, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, he said, I don't know what you did, but it, I see a difference. And I think that's really interesting. And, I, and I'm really, I'd love to like go down that lane too, of like have the world just not understanding what we're doing. And yet we need their, you know, we need their partnership. So let's take that as a separate conversation, but uh, I'd let you comment on my, on my first thought there. Um, r- remind me what your first comment was, because I got sidetracked by your last one. Yeah. So, all right. So, so it's just kind of reflecting on what you said and thinking about like the, the fact that the, the, the buyer can see the full picture. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm with you. Um, yeah. I, I mean, this is what I, what I think is key. And, and again, like I said, uh, you know, I'm sort of, you know, kind of coming to the end stages of the, of the development and, and deployment of, of more of a, an integrated system across the life cycle. But um you know, always trying to put myself into um, the shoes of, you know, of the learner um, and also think about what I would really value from an organization when it comes to enablement. Um, and that is uh, an end goal of sorts, right? Uh, something then that, that sort of says to me, hey, this person has, you know, kind of mastered the conversations and, and um, you know, the, the many hats, the, the project management hat being the, the big one, I think that a lot of salespeople really struggle with, right? Um, it's almost like, we're very lopsided, I think. So when it comes to enablement sometimes, so I'm very heavy on the early conversations, but when it gets into the many moving parts and what needs to happen with each part of the organization, um, you know, even, even down to sort of, you know, uh, you know, uh, project plans and things like that. Um, A lot of the time we kind of uh, step out a little bit and kind of say, Hey, like this is the middle part you and your sales manager kind of like work that out together. Um, and you know, maybe we meet you at the end for negotiation or something like yeah. that. And interestingly, um, it's in that spot where a lot of deals go to die. And, and exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. you're like, you know what? We've got a lot to offer here. Um, we really do because, uh, you know, the, the, the sales skills, you know, the way you, you think about deals, how you organize, how you, uh, utilize your stakeholders, um, a lot of salespeople learn by mistakes, right? Um, and, and maybe you could just say, um, you know, and this is what sales managers say to me, uh, even to this day, some things you just gotta, you just gotta learn. You just gotta be there, do it a few times, fuck it up. You know, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this podcast. Uh, never heard the word before, Joel. I don't know. I don't know. I have to look that. I'm yeah, let me Google yeah, what yeah. that means. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Better, better Google better Google that one. Um, and, and, you know, I accept and, and, and don't accept that 
that statement, right? So, um, you know, I wouldn't be a good sales enablement person if I just accepted that you just have to learn by your mistakes because I feel like we could close a lot of those gaps. A lot of those mistakes that they make, you don't have to make those mistakes. Um, sure, you're going to always refine your learning by and through experience and, and going through deals. But um, this middle part is, is I'm really passionate about sort of um, enablement around the, the middle parts of the deal because, and maybe this is just a personal thing for me. Like I feel like I haven't done a good enough job there. Um, and I feel like I've left that to maybe the, the sales management side of the organization. And so I'm really trying to sort of pick that up and kind of say, hey, look, this is what sales enablement brings. It's end-to-end -end integrated learning and understanding across the life cycle of your deal. We don't jump in and jump out. We're here for the duration. Um, and everything that we do is supplemented by your sales manager, their coaching, their expertise, um, by them uh, utilizing what we provide and, and driving that on a, you know, individual basis with their team members. Yeah, I'd love to circle back with you in a few months and, and see what you've learned, right? Because I think that, that you're onto something and it's a really interesting um, a challenge to tackle. So I want to kind of go back to my original question and kind of piggyback off of what you just said. And you're taking a little bit of a different approach, which is what I've always loved about working with you and the way you think about enablement and you challenge that and you push things. And yet the sales leaders, they have a specific way that they have been running business for a very long time. There's a playbook that's tried and true in their mind. Um, and you're trying to challenge and you're trying to push and you have reasons, right? You have a reason behind that. And then yeah. they, they say something like either but where's my data? Or I don't understand what you're doing, but, right? So how do you think about that? And what is your approach? How do you bring them along, um, especially in a, in a place where you're, where you're being experimental in a way, right? You're, you're, I, I, I feel very strongly that you're using data, but you're also using gut and, and, and you're trying to bring together the art and the science. And, and yet you have people that live very much by the science, right? So uh, just curious on, on how you approach that and what are some of your experiences there with that? Yeah, so I would say that um, I'm a I'm a, a consultative person by by nature. Uh, so you know, always looking to, um, you know, I, I think up until very recently, almost feeling like it needed to be fifty fifty. You know, mm -hmm. like okay, fifty percent consensus or fifty percent from me, and then fifty percent buy in from the the sales leader, and that kind of makes a, a nice, you know, uh, equal equal, and we can all kind of work on this together, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, but the more I go on, um, I've come to appreciate that you know, there's, we have a very nuanced skill set uh, that thinks quite deeply and a lot more deeply about the sales process and the mechanics of that than probably what some sales managers really understand that we do, you know, um, uh, again, before, when we were talking off air, I, I was saying that, you know, everybody has predispositions of what sales enablement is generally based on their own experiences. Mm -hmm. Right. And it could so, look so differently in so many different companies because the cause of the space is constantly evolving. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so how do you counter that? I think it's by, um, by backing yourself in, Right. So, you know, if, if you believe something to be true, then um, it's, it's good to, you know, at least at the very least formulate the, the framework and the plan and then bring that to the sales leader versus uh, an open discussion or something where a lot of opinions and things like that can kind of come in. Um, again, 
I still believe that the way to win sales managers over is is the obvious way. It's through results, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's by what they see in terms of the impact of of what you do. So um, again, to to young uh, sales enablement leaders that are that are just starting out, you know, I would say um, have some courage. You know, to your point around the the you know slightly experimental side of things or whatever. Um, you know, make sure you can measure your work, but but back yourself in and and um, understand that you have a very unique um, viewpoint in in that while a sales manager is um, extremely busy with. The, the, the raw data, as, as you could say, the day-to-day, the reporting up, the forecasting, um, you can actually uh, sometimes even find more time and space to really think about the depth and dimension of, of the art and the craft of, of sales and what it really means to be a great salesperson. Um, so that's a real unique uh, advantage. I mean, we're sales enablement specialists. So yeah. if you're not carving out time for deep thought um, to to really think about what you're doing um, and to really form your own opinion, then you're probably uh, missing out on tapping into to your own talent and resources yeah. and, and what you can really offer um, the organization over and above the expertise of, let's say, a sales manager. I think you just hit on how do you go from being the cleanup crew for the sales team leader to being a partner and a strategic um, voice for the sales leadership. I, 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 what I just heard you say, I was like, oh my God, so many enabling people struggle with, and I hear from so many enabling people, new or who've been doing it for a very long time. I feel like the cleanup crew, I feel like I'm just doing the dirty work for the sales leaders. They see a problem and tell me to go fix it. And what you just described is, is the way you said that it was like, we have the space, we have the time, we have to do the deep thinking. And then we back into it with the sales leader and, and change the way they look at it. And, and, yeah. therefore, and, and we're now another piece to the puzzle and we add an additional value and not just the doers. And yes, we're going to do there's, there, there, We have to be tactical and strategic at the same time. And I think that that's one of the challenges in the role, but I think what you just said if you take that approach, you, you can very likely solve that problem. And that, that gets me excited. I don't know uh, if other people feel the same way, but I'm like, mm, I think that's it, right? Right there. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, that's right. Because we, you know, we have to aim to have add value, right? Yeah. We, we, yeah. It's not a one plus one. It's not a sales management needs this done. If they had time, they could do it themselves. I never yeah. want to look at my function in that in that way that yeah. I'm here as an additional headcount yeah. you know, or my team is here as an additional headcount. You know, we're here to add a unique perspective um, and, and that is what, you know, I, I, I strongly believe that's what has brought about the evolution of the sales enablement function is that, yeah. and that, you know, senior leadership is, is coming to appreciate is that, Hey, there's a lot of topics where we have a very unique viewpoint from, you know, the work with product marketing, you know, to sales skills, to, um, you know, product me- messaging, uh, to morale and creativity. Uh, you know, again, um, that's also the beauty of, of, uh, you know, I don't feel like there's a defined box around sales enablement at this point, that there's still freedom to create and, uh, and, and, you know, push, push the boundary of, um, you know, what, of, of how we can surprise people. I yeah. think, I think sales enablement can still be that surprise package to a sales organization that yeah. people are like, Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. I didn't yeah. know that we could think about it that way or do it that way. I love what you did there. So we can and be a source true. of inspiration. Yeah. Not just to the learners, but also to yeah. Uh, management. Yeah. And I think it's to the learners, to the management. And, and I, and as you were saying that, I was thinking like when you, 
if you just think about sales in general, when you can add value to, to a buyer that that doesn't couldn't think of something themselves, they need you around, like the challenger methodology. And I think yeah. what you just described is the same thing. When you can add value to the sales leader that they couldn't do on their own, they need you around and you become their partner, right? I, I And as you were saying that, I was picturing, I remember when I was working for a sales leader who we, we had a good enough relationship, but I, I don't know that... I was definitely doing things that, that, that he needed done. And I remember the meeting we were in when, when I saw his brain click to she's my partner. She's not mm-hmm. just another, you know, person who's doing things for me. She's my partner. And he, and he even went as far, as, so far as saying that. And after that, it just changed the entire way we worked together. And probably one of my most successful sales enablement, sales leadership uh, relationships, because I understood where I needed to be his partner. He understood where I could be his partner and it just trickled down to everybody else. So I think that, that and you've articulated it so well and I don't think I would have thought of it in the way you articulated it, but I, I'm going to steal it. I'll give you the credit, but I'm going to use it going forward because I think that that's a key, a key piece. So I'd love to kind of go a little bit further. It's like, how do you create that environment? You said back into it, right? But we, and we talked about having the courage and having a voice and, and it could be hard, right? It could be hard when you're this one person, you have this vision and then there's this, this, org, this like, you know, monster of an operation that's going on, what are some of the ways, what, what do you think about, how do you create that right environment to get the buy-in, to be able to work, part, that, to get that working partnership with, um, with leadership? And I'd love to hear from some of your experiences, because I know this is something that you've been focused on now for, for, a, for several years and, and good, bad, or ugly, you know, how's it going in the real world? Yeah, I, um, I mean, two words come to mind. I, I, I think uh, focus and consistency. So um, what uh, I have failed at many times is um, taking a project and doing great work on it, but not continuing it like, mm. because, because of a number of reasons. One is because I've been called off to the next, the yeah. next thing, right? Uh, and there's always something next around the I corner. And, and, um, and, you know, again, something I've been thinking about, um, you know, as recently as this week is, um, you know, how do I latch on to something? And, um, you know, again, it's, it's this reduce complexity, reduce the noise um, and r- really make a, make a big impact on, on, on a particular topic, you know. So, um, what does that mean? Well, I mean, it means looking at the business, looking at the machine and saying, you know, where is my help most needed? Where can I make the biggest impact? And it's not necessarily putting you all your eggs in one basket, but from an enablement perspective, you kind of need to put a lot of eggs in one basket to really make the difference and to really have the ability to sort of carry something through. Um, I mean, an example that uh, I suppose is my my basket with a lot of eggs in it for for this quarter is around um, some of our, our campaigns that we're running, and um, you know, as as you know, SDRs are central to to campaigns and and to the outbounding efforts. Uh, we put a lot of time into our cadences. We put a lot of time into sourcing our, you know, ideal customer profile, our ICPs, and and really aligning all our guns in one direction. Um, but the, the quality control of the conversations for the SDRs is, is an area where I can see that across all the data, no one is measuring the actual quality of the conversations from the SDRs. So here is uh, a huge opportunity, an opportunity that aligns with our business direction, what our Q4 focus is, 
It aligns with um, where all our guns are, are kind of pointed. And it's an area that um, is not well covered. Um, and it's completely within my wheelhouse. So I'm putting my eggs in this basket. Uh, I'm putting my focus here. Um, I've looked at how we can um, uh, sort of start to measure uh, the quality and output of these conversations. So I've been speaking with sales ops this week and been tweaking uh, things in sales loft. So, and, and turning on new functions that I can kind of analyze the quality of the conversations uh, running, you know, a ton of enablement, you know, over the next few weeks and, and creating resource guides and getting people to send their recordings and their openings to me and really throwing everything at it mm. uh, because I feel this is one of those moments where um, I can make a big impact on what we're trying to do as an organization. And in doing so, really stick your head up a little bit and kind of say, hey, with everything going on, um, you know, here's how sales enablement is really, you know, pushing, pushing the envelope forward and, and helping us with the, the quality of our output. So I think for sales enablement, it's really important to kind of identify those opportunities and just go at them with vigor. Um, otherwise, you will be pushed around to do great jobs or, or maybe good jobs with lots of little things, but um, the impact or even your visibility in the organization can be negated with the busyness and the noise. Yeah, I, I have so many examples of that happening, of, of doing a whole, a whole lot of nothing, in other words, is what I think you're saying. So, so I, and I have a follow-up question too. Okay, so you see a problem with the SDRs and you're going to put a lot of eggs in that basket. Are you looking, are, are, are you saying that you need all those eggs in order for it to be successful or are you experimenting to see which is the egg that's going to lay the golden goose? Or both. Yeah. I suppose if you equate eggs to uh, the amount of time that I have in the mm -hmm. quarter, right? So if we just kind of say, how much time am I going to devote to this project? And what are the other projects that I'm going to deprioritize or maybe push out to the next quarter? So you have to make that determination of where you can serve the business most. And and I feel that a trap you can fall into with, with sales enablement, and certainly I have in my younger years, is trying to be all things to all people, trying to keep everybody happy, trying to make sure you do a little bit for these guys, a little bit for those guys, a little bit for these guys. And we all know that doesn't, you know, to your point, a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. It doesn't wash out well. So um, you, you're better off attaching yourself to a large company OKR, um, go hell for leather at it, and then get get a good picture of the, the capacity that you have to impact the organization and give the organization that, that same indication as well. And I think that serves you well for how you build your team, um, how the resources and things are prioritized, you know, to, to grow your team in the future. Um, it just makes a lot more sense to me. And, and I wish I had have done it earlier in my career a little bit more like this. Yeah, ditto, ditto, ditto. So you you put you put a tremendous amount of effort on something that can really move the needle. And I think there's there's a lot of value in that. Um, how do you then report back to the organization, whether it be the learners or, or the stakeholders or the frontline manager? Because what they're saying is, but we also have all these other fires or we have all these other things that we have to take out and you're hyper-focused. You know, I don't think you're saying you're only doing one thing, but you're, you're trying to you move the needle over there. So how do you kind of bridge that gap between you're seeing enablement from, or the productivity from, a, from, from one perspective, they're seeing it from another, they're seeing all the different things that have to happen. You're trying to fix something at its core. What does that look like? Yeah, so so I mentioned that I have the uh, 
the uh, the 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 pleasure of my Monday mornings being with uh, with our co-founder slash CEO. Um, so when we when we do our OKR reviews, um, you know, I had to you know three or four areas, and and we we decided on this together. So this is not necessarily something that uh, you know you make your own determination on. This is something that's aligned with you know the the CEO of the business who's basically headlining the, this campaign. So um, it has the blessing of uh, you know. Of, of leadership and and again you know the the reason that I put it into the OKRs is because I knew it was a, it's a huge piece that you know my team needs to be focused focusing on um, but again it's it's the personal conviction that you have right so you know I mean your whoever you're reporting into is not going to talk to you about the volume or the the quality of of the programs that you produce that's that's something that you have to determine you can you can understand that it's going to be a key okr but i still think that you have to make that personal determination because knowing that irrespective of what you have in your OKRs, there's going to be a lot of other things that come across your plate that quarter, a lot of other requests, a lot of other meetings, people pulling for your time. So you have to make that decision early on in the quarter and say, okay, you know, this is, this is the focus. This is what we're, we're really going to work on and other things are going to have to be deprioritized. What I think I hear you saying that I love is you, you keep tying it back to the to the goals and the strategies and the OKRs of the business. And you're keeping yourself in that realm versus the tactical of what you're doing. Because if you get focused on the little nitty gritty and to your point, there's always going to be things coming to your plate. We live in a very fast dynamic changing world. And sometimes I think we do have to pivot if, you know, I don't know, COVID hits and the entire world like turns upside down, you know, and we've all experienced that. And I think enablement had a lot of challenges there and they were fair challenges. But I think what what I hear you saying is like, you, you bring them back to the, this is the ultimate, ultimate, you know, big picture goal that we have here. And you're now positioning yourself as a player tied to those goals versus the doer tied to the little, the little smaller things and up leveling them. And I think if you continue to do that over time and then, and I'm, I'm, you know, expecting your CEO to start seeing that as, cause I know it's pretty recent that, that you've been reporting into him or, or some of the other sales leaders that you might work with is they start shifting their point of view. Right. And they go from, I can have enablement fix this to, we are partners, you know, this is our strategy. And, and, um, and I think that that's, it kind of going back to what, how we started this conversation, that's the evolution that I think we're taking is that we're, we are a much more strategic player. We are a much louder voice in this room. And if we could continue to do that, we'll continue to be elevated and, and have the voice we want and have the impact we want because we get into enablement because we want that impact. And we want to be able to really truly impact the productivity on a more holistic scale. Yeah, and 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 that and that is that is I I think this is you know exactly it ties back to your opening question. This is the evolution of sales enablement, where uh, you know you work on less but do a lot more, um, and it's very much in line with what the business is looking to do. It's not just align yourself to the business objectives like you read in any sales enablement book, but it 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 is literally you you hunt for these opportunities. You look to put them in your OKRs. You look to align yourself to the stakeholders and say, hey, I'm taking a significant portion of my time to work on your top line objectives. You know, here's what we're going to measure on and and understand at the end of the quarter if we made any impact on. Um, Because it's also more of a challenge, right? Because you are are putting a, a higher stake on 
you know, the business looking at your impact by doing this. If you yeah. spread yourself nice and thin, it's really easy to kind of fly under the radar yeah. um, and say, hey, I did like 16 million things. Like but I'm it, useful, But it can't right? point to, to what, what the outcome of any of it was, right? And it's, then you just yeah. preserve that funny status quo of, oh, your sales enablement yeah. is that person that yeah. helps with stuff. My hypothesis is by continuing to do what you're suggesting and look at it from a much more strategic, holistic, OKR approach, the little things that you would have done are going to fix themselves, right? Because they're probably a cause of a bigger core issue. And I'd be really curious to follow that and to see how that happens. And could we, is it like, in other words, like, you know, the analogy I can give somebody has high blood pressure, they have diabetes, but so if they, if they start exercising and eating right, guess what starts changing? They, yeah. their diabetes, you know, their diabetes goes, comes under control, their blood pressure comes under control. So what is that keystone, right? That you have to, that you have to, um, impact and I and my hypothesis is here and I would really like to watch this is do those other small little things go away do they fix themselves because you're fixing a much more core issue and I think if we start looking at enablement like that we're not just going to be banging her heads against the wall and doing a whole bunch of lot of nothing but we're really going to be making a really strong impact so I feel like that's a whole nother podcast conversation but what, what is your thought on that and Yeah. Well, it reminds me of my favorite sales joke, right? Which is, uh, what's the number one reason salespeople fail? What is the number one reason salespeople fail? No pipeline. No pipeline. Right. So, you know, I mean, I mean, you can look at like, you know, very obvious core areas where you can help it. And and I suppose, you know, the reason I use that joke is because of the OKR I'm aligned to right now. You know, it's it's outbound activities, right? It's creating pipelines. So it's the essential lifeblood of what the organization needs. And yes, you're right. A lot of problems do disappear with healthy pipelines. So um, yeah. It is, it is, it is a core area, um, but there are other core metrics that we help with as well. So it's understand what those core metrics are that your organisation cares about. In particular, which are the ones that all the guns are pointing at, and um, and get a piece of it, get a big piece of it, and keep them focused on that because they can get distracted, right? And I think sales leaders and salespeople live very much in today, right? Which is why I love that you're pointing to COO, CEO, because. He's going to look at it much more broadly, but we, we so live in the deal that I just lost this minute. You know, how many times did I get a call and be like, you have to fix this problem and why? And then I do a little bit more digging and I found out, you know, a deal just died. Of course, in the moment, it feels like the whole world blew up, but is it really the problem? And why did that deal really die? Right. And, and, and trying to understand that. So I think it's a matter of, a, you know, if I, if I kind of recap our entire conversation is understanding the really truly understanding the impact that you can make from enablement look at it much more holistically look look at the whole business really how can look at the question of how can you impact productivity from a whole different lens and then stay hyper focused on that and bring your stakeholders along with you explain to them you know whether it's the learner the entire journey that you're going to give to them explain to the sales leadership the entire learning uh, the experience that you're going to give and keep them focused on the strategy that you have and then keep looking at like, am I in the right direction? Do I have, you know, I'm a, do I have all, and, and what I heard you say too, is like throw a whole lot of um, eggs into the basket. And what I, what I heard you say, well, my brain translated that to is leaving no stone unturned. Right. And I think that if we as enablement people can challenge ourselves to say, have I leave, left no one stone, stone unturned? Is there something else that I haven't tried yet here that might make this more successful? will actually probably be much more impactful as, as enabling people and, and continue to elevate who we are and what we do within the organization and the, and the impact that we have. So 
really, really informative. Love the conversation as always. Uh, went in a very different direction. I think we originally thought, but I expected no different from a conversation with Joel. Before we close out, I'm really curious. You know, we, we were clearly recording this during the impact of COVID, and it's, I think the impact of COVID has changed over time. What do you think are some of the changes that will and this could be in your personal life and in our personal lives and our professional lives that will um, be lasting impact of, of this shared experience the whole world is going through. I mean, let me, let me, let me try and, let me try and pick a work one and a, and a personal one, maybe, maybe to end with. It's funny. We, we've, we've now sandwiched this conversation in COVID. Uh, Ross, yeah. I, I, I unfortunately opened with a COVID comment. We'll, we'll close with one, but hopefully they're more productive. Um, I mean, from a work perspective, I think it's the importance of communication. Um, it could, and and you know, I don't just say that because we're an employee communications app as a shameless plug for staff base, but um, it's you know everybody is is now you know talking about uh, you know dying you know drowning in Slack messages or like back to back Zooms and you know how do I mentally uh, how do I work in this this new kind of paradigm I think and um, you know it 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 has me thinking a lot about sort of the importance of communication and, and how we do this in, in healthy ways and, um, and adjust kind of moving forward where we feel like we're literally, you know, staring at the screen all day, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, trying to, trying to talk to each other. So I think the people that come up with the novel ways of, Mm. of, um, you know, more uh, organic communication, both from a, um, you know, colleague, um, and, and also a customer perspective, um, I, I think that's going to be really important. And, and I don't know what the answer is to that, but I feel like this this digital communication, which is now on overload, yeah. is um, is really testing people. It's really stretching stretching individuals. So um, how we manage that, I think, is um, is is a really important theme. Um, and then the absolute inverse of that is, of course, how close you are and how much communication you can have to your loved ones and connection. Um, I have my kids running around this, my, uh, my office slash office chair on a daily basis. I pick them up. I give them a big kiss in the middle of a yeah. Zoom meeting and people love, love it. it. Right. Love it. Love it. Uh, and, and so I am present. I am here. Dad is not traveling. Um, and yeah. I get to uh, enjoy, uh, you know, taking off my headset at 5.30 and walking straight into my lounge room where my kids are already sitting there. So from a dad perspective, um, I double down on that style of communication while I lose out on, on some of the work. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's very much about like, uh, how we manage our relationships in this new era. Right. And, uh, so yeah, that's, that's sort of my thinking there. I think, I think it kind of goes back to things we were talking about earlier. Communication within organizations and within personal life has always been a challenge. And I think this is forcing us to come up with a better way for both. And I, yeah. I you know, your example of your beautiful children running around and being there. Um, I was, I was talking to a client the other day and they had the CEO was doing an all hands, obviously from her home office. Yes. A female yeah. CEO. And um, her kid came over to her in front of the entire company. was like, I love you, mommy. And the company just melted, right? It was just to see her in such a human way that they don't usually see her. And she handled it beautifully. She was like, I love you too. And gave her a kiss, you know, on her, on her cheek. And, and then went back to being the CEO of this, you know, large tech company. So I think that, that is kind of, you know, brings it all together with human beings, with, with, the means to the end, the children at home. Um, and if we can figure out the better way to communicate in personal and in work lives, 
this, there would be at least a silver lining to all the craziness that we went through. So thank you so much for taking the time, especially with the kids. I know it's evening for you and it's probably dinner time for them or, or maybe bedtime and bath time and daddy time. And, and I've always respected how dedicated you are and to that. And so I appreciate you taking some time out of your busy day and, 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 and your early evening to, to have this conversation and benefit the enablement community. Thanks for having me, Rose. It's a pleasure. Thank you. As we close out this episode today, we would like to thank purpleplanet.com for our music production, and we thank you for listening. We encourage you to get in touch with us with requests for future topics, any questions you might have, or just to say hello. We can be found at www.level213.com. That's L-E-V-L, and then the numbers 213.com, or through LinkedIn. Have a great day.